1 John chapter 3, we're looking at during this month, why Christmas? Why all this to do about Christmas? I mean, you may ask that when you see all the the commercialization of Christmas, and, and I'm not here necessarily to deal with that at all, but as as Christians... This aspect of, of Christmas and celebrating the birth of Christ. Yeah, it, it was a, in a depth of the, the reaching of this message of Christmas and all that God intended it to do and be in our lives. And because of that, we fail to then have the joy that we ought to have because of this. And last week we looked at the aspect, why Christmas, that Christ was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And we rejoice in that because the works of the devil are immense and mighty, but Christ came to destroy them. In 1 John chapter 3, notice in verse 1, I will begin reading. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So in this passage, he gives us two Clear explanations of why Christ was manifested, why Christ took upon himself the form of a man, was born in Bethlehem in fulfillment of the prophecies, and one, to destroy the works of the devil, and the second, to take away our sin. If you were to say, what you believe to be the biggest problem in our world today, what would you answer? Depending on your answer, most of them would come down to the root problem of sin. Most other problems stem from the problem of sin and how we deal with it. We have Many issues in our world today, people have many issues in their lives, and if you keep tracing them back, it often just comes back to the part of not dealing with sin. 
one thing that we in our lives hate about our past would be something that usually involves sin. You know, every one of us have a hall of shame. Those things that we would love to remove and forget. And Christ Jesus came into the world and he did many things. He taught, he healed, he modeled, he came to destroy the works of the devil, but ultimately he came to take away sin. And I want us to try to get a a fresh glimpse of this today. And to, to realize, ultimately my goal today is, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, that you'll leave here today with a renewed appreciation that my sins are forgiven. And I am rejoicing in Christ's coming so that today I know my sins are forgiven. If you're here today and have never trusted Christ, ultimately my goal is today that you would come to realize the only solution for my sin is Jesus Christ and to put your trust in him so you can leave today knowing my sins are forgiven. Jesus Christ specifically came to take away sin. So... We back up a step. We say, what is sin? Notice if you look in 1 John 3 and verse 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Well, in our mind, lawlessness may conjure up several things. I want to I wanna kind of break it down into four areas of what sin is, not that this is a an exhaustive list, but it will, I pray, help us to understand what sin is. Number one, sin is breaking God's law. It is it is a transgression. It is God put a law and he said you don't go there and we transgress. We go where he said not to go, or we don't go where he said to go. I'm not, when I say go, it's not geographically, it's, it is, it is violating God's law. It is also an aspect that sin is falling short. Romans 3. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, one aspect of sin is we're breaking his law. But another aspect is we are, we are aiming at perfection. Because God is perfect. He is without sin. So we are aiming at perfection, and I don't care if you're aiming with a bow or with a high-powered rifle, whatever you want to illustrate, we fall, we don't have the power 
to even come close to perfection. We fall short, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, we're a lawbreaker, sin, we're breaking God's law, disregard for God's law. Our very best effort completely falls short. If we were to go to California and and say that let's jump in the Pacific Ocean today and we're going to swim to Hawaii, okay? Some of you might be able to make it farther than some of the rest of us. But every one of us would ultimately fall miserably short. There's no way that it can happen. And, and we've fallen short of the glory of God. But he uses another word in the Bible. The word is iniquity. Iniquity is self-will. Iniquity is, no, I'm going to run my own life. No, you created me. You breathed in me the breath of life. You've designed me, but thank you very much. I am now going to run my life. Self-will. You know, you, you, you see it with the... With a little kid, you know, they're learning to walk and you're helping them and they get to say, no, I do, I do. And they may, I mean, you want them to grow and develop, but there's times the I do, you know they can't do. And in life, we're born with this I do attitude that no God, We may not say, no, God, but we're running our own life. And sin is when we run our own life. So it's breaking God's law. And and this thing about breaking God's law, it's, it's not just breaking a law. It's going against the very nature of God. When God says, do not lie, it's not just that he came up with, you know, things for us to do. He said, do not lie because I am truth. And lying is against my very nature. Every sin is against the nature of God. And and so when God gives a law and we violate that law, it is a violation against the very nature of God. And so sin is breaking God's law, it's falling short, it's iniquity, self-willed, that our iniquities are ruling our own life. But ultimately, the lawlessness contains in the, the meaning of the word, it is rebellion against God. It is not merely a deficiency. It's not merely falling short. It's not merely breaking a law. It is open rebellion against God. You know, it's easy for us, especially in our own life, it's easy for us to minimize sin. 
and our whole society minimizes sin. We call sin by other names. We, we don't like to call sin what God does. And sin is, I mean, you think of it. Think of the most outrageous picture of rebellion that you can imagine. But sin is shaking our fist at God. I mean, think of the absurdity of that. And you may say, oh, I, I, I wouldn't think to do that. When we sin, it is rebellion against God. We couldn't even raise our fist. We wouldn't even have a fist if it weren't for God, let alone the very thing that he created to curse him. The very thing that he created and made that says, I'm going to do it my way. And I don't care what your law says. And this is what all of us are. This isn't, this isn't what the worst person you can imagine. Every one of us are born in rebellion. It's not one fist. We're double-fisted rebellion against God. This is, this is what sin is. It's a revolt against God. And, and it's nothing other than rebellion against God. And, and understanding to practice sin is rebellion against God. And so we, we see some of the words that God uses to describe sin, but it's important for us to understand what the fruit of sin is. First of all, God is separate from sin, meaning he is holy, separate from sin. When we sin, it separates us from God. So the first consequence of sin is separation from God. When we're separated from God, we're separated from that which is good. We are not able to have fellowship with God. You and I and every human being was made to have fellowship with God. We were designed for that. Our our inner being is made to have fellowship with God. And sin breaks that fellowship. And I said, most of the problems of the world today go back to this issue right here. We are made to have fellowship with God. We're not in fellowship with God, so we seek to fill our life with anything that will satisfy. And only God will satisfy, but we're separated from Him. We seek to fill our life with money and fame and alcohol and drugs and pleasure and sex and on and on and on the list goes. And God has designed many of those things, but He designed us to have fellowship with God, and we will never, ever have peace of mind. We will never have purpose in life until we are brought back to fellowship with God. So the first thing sin does, or one of the things that sin does, it separates us from God. Secondly, it brings suffering. People say, I don't believe in God because of all the suffering that is in the world. 
The suffering that is in the world is directly the result of sin. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had fellowship with God. Life was great and wonderful, but they violated God's law. God said, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They believe the lie of Satan, and every time we sin, we believe a lie of Satan. They believe the lie of Satan, and immediately their life changed. Suffering entered into their world. And all the suffering in the world today goes right back to that. Why, why do we have this? Why do we have that? It's because of sin. It may not be personal sin. It's the sin. The whole creation groans and travails under the curse. The curse is the result of sin. Sin always brings suffering. And in our own personal life, sin will bring suffering. It doesn't happen immediately, but sin always always produces suffering. Sin also brings judgment and condemnation. We have in in every human being, God has written the law of God, and we know right and wrong, and sin brings judgment and condemnation from God. John chapter 3 and verse 36, it says, We are condemned already. Our sin has condemned us. You go through the, the law of God, and, and every law of God, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Have you loved anything more than you love God? Yes, I have. Guilty. We're, we're condemned. And the judgment of God is upon us already. It's not like we will be condemned. The judgment has already come. It's just a matter of when it will be when it will be brought out. And with that judgment and condemnation, we bear a weight of guilt. Mankind bears a heavy, heavy burden, and that is guilt from sin. And and people say, why is there all the alcohol problems and drug problems and why do we have... People are trying to deal with the guilt of their sin. They're trying to get escape from life. Why do we have these opioid problems in our, in our world today? Why? The guilt of sin is pressing down and, and, and when they can bring a little relief that their mind doesn't think about it, but it only makes it worse than... And so sin separates us from God. It brings suffering. It brings judgment and condemnation. It brings guilt. But ultimately, it brings eternal death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. The end result of sin is eternal death. So we said at the very beginning, sin separates us from God. If something isn't done with my sin, 
I will be separated from God forever. That is eternal death. That is, God is in heaven, you would be in hell. If I reject Christ and don't trust him, I will be in hell. I'll be eternally separated from God. We don't like to think about these things, but this is the truth. And the reality is, if you don't have a biblical view of the seriousness of sin, then you don't, you don't need anything nearly as radical as Jesus Christ who appeared in the form of a man to take away sins. If you don't have a biblical view of sin, then you're just going to look for a few pointers, how to have a happier life, how to improve your self-esteem. And you'll think, why is there all this extreme talk about Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection? Because only Jesus Christ can take away sin. And what we're celebrating at Christmas is I I bore this guilt of sin and my judgment and condemnation and the suffering in my life and and the separation from God. What can I do with it? Every false religion in the world, it's a sin problem. They don't want to handle the sin issue the way God said it had to be handled. And Christ came to take away sin. 1 John 3, 5. Don't just read that. And he was manifested to take away my sin. There's no denying it. We all have gross sin, our pride, our arrogance, our, our deceitfulness. And Christ was manifested to take away our sin. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. I want to look at several verses here to help us to see this. And, and it's important. I cannot paint a proper picture of sin. But it is important that we try to understand that it's breaking God's law. It's, it's coming short. It's self-willed. It's rebellion, double-fisted rebellion against God. And it separates me from God. It brings all the suffering in the world today. I bear the guilt, the condemnation, and eventually eternal separation from God in hell, eternal death. But notice Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. There was no hope. There was no help. I am in rebellion. I am under the condemnation, eternal death. But the angels sang, and the angels said to Mary, You shall call his name Jesus, because I like that name. No, because it means he will deliver you from your sins. Turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. And notice in verse 10. 
Well, back up to verse 9. And Jesus said to him, this is Zacchaeus. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. Now notice this, verse 10. For the Son of Man, that's Jesus Christ, has come to be a good teacher and example. No. To heal the sick. No. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. His whole purpose for coming was to take away sin. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John, chapter 1. And notice verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Notice what he said. Behold, John sees the, the God incarnate, God in the flesh, and he sees him coming and he says, Look at, look at, there he is. This is the Lamb of God. They used, to, they used to sacrifice a lamb. They used to, to um, slit the throat of a lamb as a scapegoat, as a picture of bearing their sins, and, and as one a type of Christ's coming. And John finally says, this is it. This is, this is the one that will take away our sin. Behold the Lamb of God, which is establishing a church. No, behold the Lamb of God. And you can add any other thing that he did. But behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And notice verse 21. For he, that's reference to God the Father, made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Notice that God made Jesus Christ, sent him to this earth, who knew no sin, that his righteousness would be put on our account and we would be made the righteousness of Jesus Christ in him. Jesus Christ came to take away our sins. He became the scapegoat. He became the curse. Sin brings a curse. And Galatians 3 said, Cursed is every man who hangs on the tree. Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross. He bore the curse of our sin. He bore our death. Sin results in death. Jesus Christ took our death. Sin is an offense against God, so only God can forgive it. No one else can forgive it. If, if I offend you, I can't go get forgiveness from somebody else. 
I must go to the one that I offended. Our sin is against God, and the only way we can have forgiveness is through Jesus Christ. That's why he came to take away our sin, to forgive our sin. Jeremiah 31 says he not only removes our sins, he not only forgives our sins, he forgets our sins. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he forgiven our sins. You may remember your sins, but God has forgiven them. And he did it through Jesus Christ. So the question is, how do you deal with sin? Number one, you need to own your sin. Not, we live in a day-to-day where everybody's a victim. Well, my parents did this, and that's why I'm like this, or I, I had this, and that's why I'm like... No, you need to... I am the one that have violated of my own will. I am the one that violated God's law. I am the one that the very best that I try, it, it falls miserably short. I, I am the one that himself willed and said, no... I'll run my own life. I am the one that rebelled when I break his law. No, God. I am the one that rebelled against God and live in rebellion against God. And I am the one that am condemned already. I am the one that is separated from God. You know, we tend to look around and say, well, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. No, it doesn't matter. We're all in this mess heap of broken the law of God. We're all drowning in the Pacific Ocean of sin. Well, I made it a hundred yards further than he did. You still died and went to hell if if you reject Jesus Christ. First of all, it's owning and saying, I am condemned. I am under the judgment of God. And then turn from your sin and call upon Jesus for forgiveness of sin. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's the only way to get forgiveness of sins. I don't care if you join this church, get baptized, do all these. If you've never fully trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you'll be separated from God for all eternity. And it is the only way to say, God, I've been living in rebellion against you. I've been running my own life. And God, I no longer want to do that. I, I, I understand I have violated your laws and I need your mercy. And I believe Jesus died for my sin. Please, Forgive my sin and save my soul. And Jesus said, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Hallelujah. But it's owning our sin. It's turning from our sin and calling upon Jesus Christ. And then daily to confess and forsake our sin. To learn to hate sin. It's sin that crucified. It's my sin. And then to thank God over and over and over again, God, thank you that you sent your son 
and that he paid my penalty for my sin. And God, I can never thank you enough, and we never can thank God enough. We just take it for granted. We just, yeah, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, and who's ever believed in him should not perish, have everlasting life. Yep, I learned that for a long time ago. No, it's in my sin and rebellion. He loved me while I was yet a sinner. And Jesus Christ came as a humble servant and mocked and and disregarded and rejected. And he did it for us. And then... As we learn to fellowship with him, then we need to go tell it on the mountain. Jesus came to take away sin. Here's the problem. Jesus came. Spread the good news. Man, if you found a cure to cancer and you just kept it for you and your family, you could be tried for a crime. We have been given as believers The cure for the cancer of mankind, sin. And we often just keep it to ourselves. Jesus Christ came to take away my sin. I mean, let that sink into you. We we have a song in our in our hymnal. Um, Let me just read a, a, a verse of it. I carried a burden, a staggering weight, and struggled for freedom but could not escape. I trembled and cried at the thought of my fate. Eternal death, separation from God in hell. I said, what must I do to be saved? I desperately searched for release from my pain but found that man's wisdom was useless and vain. Is there not a power that can break every chain of sin? What must I do to be saved? Jesus' blood flows from Calvary, breaking Satan's power, setting captives free. Greatest gift of the greatest love Heaven paid the price with Calvary's blood. Heaven paid the price in sending his son. See, we carry this burden. We carry this guilt. There is no relief. You try religion, it won't give relief. You try the pleasures of the world, it won't give relief. Nothing will give relief except Jesus' blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And this is what we're celebrating that God in the fullness of time sent forth his son to take away sin. Wow, I needed that. I need it today. And he came to take away sin. Heavenly Father, I pray that truly, we would realize the horrific consequences of sin. And Lord, I pray that we would realize that you alone 
are the cure for sin. Lord, I first of all pray if there are individuals here today who have never really dealt with their sin, I pray today they would receive the free gift of Jesus Christ by owning their sin and turning to you for deliverance and forgiveness. Lord, I pray your spirit would draw hearts even now. And then, Lord, I pray for every believer here today that our hearts would be filled with joy and thanksgiving, that our lives would be testimonies of our grateful and thankful hearts, that you came to take away my sin. And, Lord, that we would never get over that. And I pray that that love for you would be manifested as we rejoice in this gift and as we share the good news of this gift. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.